Welcome to the Lancaster Patriot Podcast. My name is Chris Hume, the managing editor of the Lancaster Patriot. I'm joined again by Joel Saint, pastor of Independence Reform Bible Church and executive director of the Mid-Atlantic Reformation Society. Joel, thanks for joining me. Glad to be here once again, Chris. Joel, I want to start off with Isaiah 31, verses 1 through 3. Woe to those who go down to Egypt for help and rely on horses, who trust in chariots because they are many, and in horsemen because they are very strong, but do not look to the Holy One of Israel or consult the Lord. And yet he is wise and brings disaster. He does not call back his words, but will arise against the house of the evildoers and against the helpers of those who work iniquity. The Egyptians are man and not God, and their horses are flesh and not spirit. When the Lord stretches out his hand, the helper will stumble, and he who is helped will fall, and they will all perish together. It's the word of the Lord, Isaiah chapter 31. And I think we'll come back to some of those themes there. Joel, today we tackle a challenging topic. All right, and it, it is this. Is the Republican Party part of the solution or part of the problem in our nation? And we could even narrow that down to our state and our county. Now, I don't think, Joel, this is necessarily challenging because the Bible does not speak on issues of government. We both believe that it does, and it speaks rather clearly. But this is a challenging issue because there's a lot of emotion and pragmatism rather than biblical reasoning when it comes to this issue, in my mind. Uh, and it's challenging also because there's such a lack of teaching on the biblical view of the civil government. And, of course, you and I... I, I didn't know there was a biblical view of civil government. I, I just thought the Bible tells us how to get to heaven, and we can live on the earth however way we want. Now... Well, and, uh, well, we'll we'll address that. Unfortunately, that's that's the mindset of a lot, right? And you, you know, you and I have been seeking to show how the Bible certainly does apply to the civil realm in these podcasts, right? right? We've talked about government education, we've talked about prison systems, we've talked about food regulations, mm-hmm. and there's much more we could talk about. And and you've been doing that for quite some time, you know, before this podcast in your personal conversations, in your work with the Mid Atlantic Reformation Society, and even as a pastor here in Lancaster County. So this is not you know new to you. It's it's not new. But we are, are trying to say, okay, the Bible does speak to the realm of, of government, and what does that mean? What are the implications of that? So we're going to get into this, this topic today, and I understand, as I mentioned, there's a lot of emotion here. There's a lot of hope that people have that the Republican Party can uh, turn the tide, if you will, and, and get us back to, to what? I think that's something we'll talk about. You know, what are we trying to, to conserve? What are we trying to get back to or, or move forward to? What is our goal? So there's a lot of emotion here, uh, and understandably, because there's also, you know, from, a, from our perspective, certainly there are a lot of negative things about the Democrat Party, and a lot of people uh, rightfully react against that and say, well, you know, we need to rely upon the Republican Party to defeat this over here. So big issue, huge issue, and uh, we want to try to address some of it today. So m- maybe we sh- let's start out with j- this, Joel. Let- let's take a step back and say, you know, as Christians and as people who would perhaps generally be considered conservative, although we, I think we have some issues with that label, but what is the problem with the, the Democratic Party? You know, why, why do we oppose the Democratic Party? Is it simply because they're, you know, worse than the Republicans? What's the reason here, and how, how do we judge this? What should be our standard when we look at these issues? Yeah, Chris, as we talked before, things like taxes, right, or, or even maybe more specifically uh, criminal justice. You know, uh, why do we oppose the prison system? Because it doesn't work? It doesn't work, but that's not why we oppose it. 
We oppose it because it is not what God has established in how to deal with criminals. And there is such a thing as, as criminals now. Uh, every society will define criminals in some sort of way. Fortunately, we have a lot of Christian influence going on with us still today that it's wrong to murder. Now, some people are going to say that in every society it's wrong to murder. No, that's, that's simply not true. In our society, I think we've embraced the murder of 60 million babies here. So the, the point being that the Democrat Party is filled with, I mean, I, 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 I can't imagine reading even, I don't know, some, some innocuous verse like, uh, I don't know, I don't think I could go to a Democratic convention and read Jesus wept and not have people upset at me. I mean, the, 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 God has officially been uh, banished. He hasn't really been banished. Um, and they must repent or he will banish them to the lake of fire, quite frankly, Democrat or Republican. But as far as they, they're concerned, he is the problem. Now, the, for anyone who says that God, the one who sent his son to die for sinners, the one who demonstrates his love for us like that, and Chris, no other God has, has done that. Right. All other gods are asking you to sacrifice for them. Our God has sacrificed himself for us. But if you feel you can get along without that God, you are only going to lead us down a deadly path because you're going to be the savior. And you know what? If you're a member of the Democratic Party or you're looking to the Democrats and they're going to be your savior, guess what? They're not the first people who've ever offered to be saviors. This has been going on for a long time. And it's always ended up in blood and disaster every single time. Read just even the most casual book, for example, on the French Revolution, which was to be salvation. And, and, and it officially excluded God from their society. They even, Chris, they even tried to uh, get rid of the seven-day week. Uh, they, they knew that... Um, they, they knew you could have a scientific idea, for example, for a year, for a month, even moon phases and so forth, and for a day. But they couldn't figure out the seven-day week. Right. So they tried to get rid of it, make a 10-day week. And they, and, I mean, that's how much they hated God. And it ended up in a bloodbath. And it ended up not just for France. We need to remember this. As we said, well, you know, so I'm, I'm not going to be involved in civil, civil affairs and so forth. I'm going to keep my mouth shut. And I don't know, perhaps some people did that during the French Revolution, but it didn't stop, Chris, with France. Napoleon came on as a result of the power vacuum that the French Revolution created. And before you knew it, all Europe was engulfed in war. This, this wickedness just doesn't, doesn't stop. We are, and I, I, I try to tell people this, we are involved in the societal sphere. We are involved in the political sphere. Say, so, well, I'm not involved. Yes, you are. You're involved by your silence. So getting back to the, the, uh, the Democratic Party, as far as I'm concerned, they are the French revolutionaries. They are the Bolshevik revolutionaries. Their ideas toward the creator of heaven and earth are no different from that of the Bolsheviks, the Chinese communists, or the French revolutionaries. And that's why they must be opposed uh, ideologically and every other way, theologically, every possible way. So the reason that I'm hearing from you is God's word, Christ's kingship is a standard. If they go against that, we should oppose them, right? They're, they're going to be wrong by definition. They're wrong by definition. So, so I wanted to start off with that point that the reason... And, and, and deadly by definition also. Or, and and de let's say deadly by example, but anyway, and yeah. definition. Yeah, yeah. And, and the reason we oppose, you know, you and I, the Democrat Party, is because they go against Christ's plan. 
right? Christ has a plan for the nations, which we, we talk about all the time when you and I are together on this podcast, at least, and we want to you know, touch on it again today, but Christ has a plan for the nations. It's laid out in his word, and the reason we oppose the Democrat Party is because they go against that plan. The re- we, we do not oppose the Democrat Party because they go against the Republican plan. We, we oppose the Democrat Party because they go against Christ's plan. And I think that's an important point here that will come up again. You know, what is our standard and what are we comparing things to? So when we come to consider the Republican Party, which is what this, this episode is about, and it, perhaps it won't win us many friends, but we want to speak the truth. So when we come to the Republican Party, what should be the reason for our potential support or opposition to it? Right? Should it be that while well, the Republican Party uh, goes against the Democrat Party, or the Republican Party is, is a bit better than the Democrat Party? Or should the only reason be for our support of the Republican Party be if it adheres to Christ's plan for the nations? Right? Now, we've addressed some of these points yeah. before. Government schools, right? Yeah. The GOP, the Republican Party, endorses that concept. The Bible does not. Christ's plan does not. The prison system, the GOP endorses it. The Bible does not. Forced taxation, including property taxes, the GOP endorses. The Bible does not. Massive government spending and debt, the GOP endorses. The you, don't, you don't say. <laughs> the, the Bible does not. You know, even, even abortion exceptions. You know, in this case, it's okay to murder the child. The GOP generally endorses. The Bible does not. I mean, we could go on and on and on here. So, Joel, what, what reason... When we look at the Republican Party, again, what's our standard? What, are we, what should we compare them to? Should we compare them to the Democrats? Yeah. Yeah, I, I've often said in, in, in these kind of discussions, I, I said, you know, as a, as a Republican, as a good Republican, uh, you, could, you could vote for a demon. Um, you could do this. All you got to do is the Democrats have to run the devil. And since the demon is better than the devil... We, we, could, we could vote for a demon. You, you could do this with the way we think about these kinds of things. Vote for the one who's not as bad. I, 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 I'm intrigued you use the word better. You know, the Republicans are better than the Democrats. But I remember, I don't know, fourth or fifth grade English class or whatever it was. You know, we were doing these, uh, I think they were called superlatives. You know, you, 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 it was good, better, best, right? Uh, if, if you say something is better, you're not comparing it to something that's bad. You're comparing it to something that's good, right? So when you say the Republicans are better than the Democrats, then you're saying at the same time the, the Democrats are actually good, which um, I don't think you want to say. And that is a, that's the thing that throw, it throws people off. Well, it's better than the Democrats. Well, they're horrible. <laughs> they they want to take our kids. Uh, they want to take our property. Say, oh, no, they don't. Yes, they do. Look, 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 at, look at where they're going right now. I, I, I saw a, um, uh, a, some lady, I forget what state she's from. She is from. She wants to, uh, a, a felony. She wants to make it a felony for parents to challenge their children's deviant sexual orientation. Now, why is she not being thrown out of the Democrat Party? Why not? Don't tell me that they're not out to destroy us. If, 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 you were, if you had an ounce of conviction in your mind about good versus evil, you'd be saying, this lady, she doesn't, she doesn't represent us. But apparently, uh, she does. You know, you're the one to... to you, you, not, we're not the one that should be talking about her, Chris. The Democrat Party 
Mm-hmm. They, they should be talking about her, and they should be kicking back against her, and they are not. So here's, here's the key. If, if the Democrat Party is the bad standard, I guess we can vote for anything less than that, if that's our standard. But we're going to keep on going down and down and down, and while we keep on voting for the lesser of two evils, or as one of my friends keeps saying, the... Uh, Evil of two lessers is what, <laughs> is, is what we get every single, every single election cy- cycle. If, if we keep doing that, then the Republicans are going to keep on throwing up mm-hmm. bad candidates. And all they have to say to us is, well, it's not as bad as that guy. Look how, look how terrible the other guy is. And you guys go, if that's your standard. Think, I mean, think about it. Right. Uh, your, your, your standard is something like, something like, well, we... I haven't drowned yet, so, right. so like, okay, I guess we're on the right track here. Yeah, yeah, and we'll get into some of that, and even, even the arguments, and some of them are emotional, and there's some, some weight to some of them that we want to address. Well, yeah. well, this is the alternative, and we have to vote against it. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about that, but on this point, before we move on from this, you know, the reason that we, the standard we use to judge the Republican Party must be the Word of God, right? And some people could say, well... The, the GOP, you know, they're the patriotic, they're, they're the constitutional ones, which I don't even think that that's the case. But let's just say, okay, the GOP, yeah, they're, they're patriotic, they're following the Constitution. How dare you critique them? Well, the point is, the better question than is the GOP following the Constitution or are they patriotic is this. Is the GOP adhering to Christ's plan for the nations and God's word, right? Because there are things that that man has created in the Constitution or whatever that may not align with God's Word. So our standard here is God's Word and Christ's plan for the nations. So that needs to be our standard because so much of this is going to get, when people hear it, it goes back to emotionalism. Well, uh, the GOP is, is that, that's the solution right now. They're the most constitutional. Yeah, but are they adhering to Christ's plan for the nations? That's the only thing that's going to, to bring about blessing. Okay, so I wanted to cover that point. You know, how do, how do, we, how do what are we using to judge this issue and the Republican Party, okay? And clearly, our standard is the Word of God, okay? And if someone wants to remonstrate against that and say, well, no, the, the, the Republican Party is, is the best solution, I want to see that from Scripture, right? Not simply, you know, compared to the Democrats. Sure. Yeah, we, we, and, and, you know, Chris, we do have the standard of the Scriptures. I mean, I'm, I'm thinking, <laughs> you, you know, I, let's say it's late at night and I'm in one of our major cities, and I have two routes to walk at two o'clock in the morning to where I want to get. Um, maybe even three routes, okay? Now, the one route is, um, you know, when they walk down that route, there's muggers down there and murderers, and they'll kill you. There's another route where they don't kill you. They just take all your money and leave you dead and bleeding by the side of the road. And you say, I can't wait to go down that <laughs> that road. They they only mug me and and le- le- you know steal my money and leave me uh, half dead and bleeding by the side of the road. Wonderful. I I, I th- these are my guys. Right. But what has we need to ask? What has the Republican Party been doing to us? Right. Right. Well, I think we're going to do that. We're we're going to get into that. And uh, actually, I don't. Before we do that, I want I want to go back to to this issue of of going to Egypt. Okay. Right. I read. I, yes. read, I read from Isaiah thirty, and we're definitely going to get to what has the Republican Party done to us, and we've we've tried to cover some of that stuff uh, as well. But we will touch on it. As Isaiah thirty-one, right? God, the Lord says, "Woe to those who go down to Egypt for help." All right, and I want to take a few minutes to talk about this because 
A lot of people, the, the impression, you know, people say, well, no, we don't be believe that the Republican Party can save us. You know, and I, and I grant that, you know, true Christians supporting the GOP do not think that the latest GOP candidate, whether it be Trump or Mastriano, uh, can save them, you know, in, in, in a truly salvation way. Now, some people, I think, did view that about <laughs> Trump. But as far as true Christians, uh, I want to give the benefit of the doubt here. You know, people will say, of course, I don't believe the GOP can save us. You know, only Christ can. But we have to be active in this world, right? And, and therefore, the GOP is our best hope for society, okay? So they're saying, you know, this, this is the best option. We kind of addressed that briefly with that first point. However, the point I want to make is that when we speak of going to Egypt, right, it's a euphemism for relying on man-made or humanistic methods rather than on God's revealed law word. So it certainly applies to the realm of, of salvation for personal sin, right? You could have people who who are, are going to Egypt. They're saying, well, instead of what God has laid out in Scripture, faith in the risen Christ, repentance of sin and faith in Christ, I'm going to go to Egypt and rely on my works. Or, you know, I'm going to believe in this false religion. And that's, that's what's going to bring me personal salvation. That's a going to Egypt, right? And in that, I think, you know, most Christians could agree with. Okay, yeah, we're not to rely on man-made uh, methods when it comes to salvation, but in Christ alone. But once we get beyond that, that realm of personal salvation, it kind of gets fuzzy to people. But the same principle applies in the family, right? We can go down to Egypt, as it were, and look to humanistic, man-made, Oprah-endorsed methods for parenting, or we can rely on God's Word and Christ, right? And again, Christ is the only one that can save our family in that sense, right? It is, is in the familial sense, maybe not... He is certainly the one that can save each family member personally from sin, but even to have a good family order, we can't go down to Egypt and rely on man-made techniques. We have to rely on what Christ has said the family should operate. And then when it comes to society, and I think some Christians would even agree with that. Well, yeah, mm -hmm. we got we to agree with we yeah. what the Bible says. But then yeah. when it comes to society, this is what I mean when I say the GOP can't save. The Republican Party cannot save. They cannot save our society. They cannot salvage our society. They cannot put us on a good track because the platform of the GOP being opposed to Christ's plan for the nations will not ultimately bring about blessings. It won't. And, and th the best it can do really is numb us to the growth of the bureaucratic state, which I will talk about what has the GOP given us in the last 40 years, 50 years. It can numb us to that, and it makes it that much harder for our children and their children to establish righteousness in the land. So, you know, this is what I, I, want, I would want people to hear, that the Republican Party... With all its presidents, you know, all, all the senators, all the, the GOP congressmen, it has failed to bring about liberty and righteousness in society. The GOP cannot do that. It's unable to. It's relying on, on man. It's relying on man-made methods, right? Now, we know, of course, there are going to be men in office. But what I'm saying is the, 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 the philo phil philosophy behind it is humanistic. So it, it's not going to work. Isaiah 42, 3. And four says, he will faithfully bring forth justice, right? Only Christ can save our society. He will faithfully bring forth justice. He will not grow faint or be discouraged till he has established justice in the earth and the coastlands wait for his law. The promise in scripture is that Christ will establish justice on the earth. It's not some pietistic pipe dream. And the lordship of Christ is not a doctrine that only impacts the individual and perhaps the church and family. No, this is practical stuff, and, and that's, that's what's so sad about this, and that's what, what makes me passionate about this, is we have the solution. The GOP can't save our society, but Christ can. And why aren't we turning to him and what he says about society and how men should govern? And we're relying on Republican philosophy and statecraft when we have Christ's plan. 
So that's what we mean here when we say the GOP can't save. Well, I mean, at least me, you know, I want to get your thoughts on this, but I'm not saying people think that, you know, the Republican candidate is going to save them from their sin. I'm saying they think that the Republican candidate and the Republican platform can actually save our society in any sense. And I'm saying it can't because only Christ can. And he has laid that out in Scripture and how the state should look. Yeah, the standard, getting back to that, what is the standard? Think about, think about the, and I'll even say conservative standard. Uh, we, we can talk about what we're trying to conserve, and I can't even hardly figure that out anymore, quite frankly. But if our standard is a, a moving standard, then, what, then we don't even have a standard, Chris. We, we, we don't have one. Because if you are a, a, a believer in Christ, listening to this, you, you have the possibility of two standards, and one, only one is really a standard. One standard is the moving target of the Democratic Party. Which, 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 I mean, let's face it, 10 years ago, if you would have said, yeah, a woman can be a man, a man can be a woman, you wouldn't have even survived in the Democratic Party for saying something like that. You'd be like, is this person insane? Mm-hmm. Now we have the, not only the Democrats fully embracing that, but we have the Republicans not even really challenging that idea much anymore. Right, they're just trying to, well, we want to maybe have these legislation, this legislation in place in the sports, but we're not even going to challenge the fundamental philosophy. No, not, not at all. So, so that's your, st- you can only go, you can only follow the Democrats off the cliff if the Democrats are your standard. Chris, that is what's so horrible, horrible about this. The GOP, the Republican Party, for its conservatism and everything else, has as its standard, and I will defend this premise, has as its standard the Democrat Party, which is horrible to say. Right. But that's their standard. Right. And their, and their reaction is, well, we aren't, we aren't as bad as them. Right. Their standard is the Democrats. Right. No, no wonder we're going left and left and left. No, their standard must be the eternal word of God. That's not a moving target. Right. That is something we, that's something that's forever settled in heaven. Right. We've, we've had it for 2,000 years here. That's the standard we must adopt or we will. We will, we will. Did I mention we will fall off the cliff? Right. We'll follow them right off it, which we are doing now. Yeah, you're exactly right. And, and just like the budget that was passed in Pennsylvania, oh, well, it was, it was less than Wolf's proposal. Yeah, they do that stuff to us all the time. Yeah, 45, some $45 billion budget. Uh, yeah. yeah, well, it was less than what the Democrats yeah, wanted. Yeah. Great. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. You know, yeah. we are, we're consi- that's the point. We, yeah, if we compare the Republicans to the Democrats, okay, great job. Yeah. But that's not the standard. That's not the standard. So, Chris, I, I know what I'm saying here. I mean, it's blasphemy in a lot of Christian circles that are Republican-leaning, you know, and Republicans are going to say, it's blasphemy what I just said, that the Democrats are actually the standard. But I will defend that. Yeah, it's hard to argue against it, Joel. It is. And, and the reason that, you know, it's a bit tongue-in-cheek to say it's blasphemy, but in, in the sense that it, it is almost the unpardonable sin, because, and the reason it is is because to say things like this is, is almost attacking the only hope that people have placed yeah. in, for, for civil change. Now, again, they're going to say, no, I, I know ultimately the hope is Christ, but actually when it comes down to practically we have to compromise here, and, and there's no perfect candidate, and we'll talk about that here in a minute. Uh, and we have, we have to go with the GOP. And that's the hope for societal salvation, again, in a societal sense. And to, to critique that really leaves people, well, that is my only hope uh, against this onslaught of the Democrat you know, legislation and, and worldview. That's my only hope. You take that away from me, 
we have nothing left. And I think there's a, you know, there's a reason why this is an emotional issue, and there's a reason why we are also very passionate about Christ's standard being, being the standard. So let's, let's, we want to talk about who to vote for. We want to talk about political pragmatism, and maybe just get into that for a minute. You know, while we're on the subject of just how bad the Republican Party is, you know, let, let's, let's, just, let's just finish, that, finish that, that talk here. So, how, how much time do we have? <laughs> well, just, just kidding. So, you know, people will say, okay, yeah, the GOP is flawed. I get it, right? They're, they're not perfect. Um, but it can achieve some, some good ends, all right? They're going to say it can achieve some good ends, right? Like, okay, maybe even they'll grant. Well, yeah, there's a lot of things I don't like about the Republican Party. I mean, forced taxation, government schools. I mean, if, if people don't have a problem with that, then we've got to go back even to some other, other episodes here. But that's the reason why we have a problem with the Republican Party is because it's not based on Scripture. But people say, okay, well, yeah, it's not perfect, but, you know, it, it, can, it can achieve some good ends. And, um, and this reminds me, this whole topic and, uh, of, of voting especially, uh, you know, should we compromise, should we vote for candidates who aren't actually going to apply the Bible uh, in, in order to avoid the Democrats, right? That is ultimately, when, anybody, when people talk to me and say, okay, you're concerned about the, the GOP, but if you don't vote for them, then the Democrats are going to win. And so it, it is, you know, a, a fear tactic in a sense that, well, if you don't vote for the Republican, this is what you're going to get. And it reminds me of, of fleeing to Egypt, not from Isaiah, but from Jeremiah, right? When, when Jeremiah says, hey, the Babylonians are coming, right? This is, this is God's judgment on you. Don't go to Egypt, right? Don't turn to a man-made solution to avoid God's judgment. And that's what I see happening here with the Republican Party. People are saying, okay, yeah, and this is what I saw with, with the Trump and, uh, and Clinton and Trump and Biden elections. It was vote for Trump because we need to flee from Clinton or Biden. And these are from Christians that, were, that really had some serious problems with the GOP and even with, with, with Trump. But they said, well, we have, to, we have to turn to him to prevent this from happening. And that is, that's the pragmatic approach. Well, it's going to be better. We've got to avoid this. But does anything actually change when we vote for these Republicans, right? Well, plenty of Republicans have won, right? Plenty, plenty have won. And how, and how are we doing as a nation? I just want to go back to 1981, all right, starting with the 97th Congress, Joel. There have been about 21 congressional terms since then, okay? Twelve of those had Republican presidents, 57%. At least 10 have had Republican House majority, and 11 have had Republican Senate majority. So we know, to your point, we know what the Republicans are going to do. They've already done it. And it's not been to honor Christ and apply God's law in society. Right? And it has not been to dismantle the humanistic Marxist institutions that they helped create, prison and government school and federal and state agencies. Rather, it's continuing to put us down that road. And then the only reason then it goes back to, well, it's the lesser of two evils. They're better than the Democrats. So to your point, maybe just, just touch on it. We know what the Republicans are going to do. We know what they have done. We know what they've done over the past 40 years. And that is what we want simply because it's, it's, it's better, right? Any comment on that? You know, Chris, I'm thinking of that term that gets thrown around now in conservative circles, rhinos, right? Republican in, in name only. Right. But I don't know what a rhino is anymore. Because, to your point, we've had uh, um, Republican Congresses, re, re, Republican Senates. 
um, majority Senate. And, and uh, there were times when we've had, the, when it's been a Republican president, Republican Senate, and a Republican Congress. Right. And, and, and what happened? I, I remember uh, I, I, I was a uh, good Republican committee man back in the, in the 90s. And the Republicans wanted to um, run uh, Tom Ridge. And he actually wound up running for, for governor and, uh, and, and winning, right? And um, I remember sending a letter out to all the other committee people. And I was not appreciated for this because, you know, the, the way it's supposed to work is the committee people, you know, support and, you know, it goes from the bottom up. But Ridge had already been selected, okay? And so <clears throat> I was not appreciated for the letter that I sent out. But what happened was um, Ridge had been bragging about, he or his wife had, uh, had been bragging about working together to slow the growth of government. Okay, great. Right? Yeah. Yay! Slow it down a little bit. Yes. And I wrote a letter, and and I was not appreciating the the Republican Party for this, and I wasn't being obnoxious or anything, but I just wrote a letter and said, I thought we were against the growth of government. I thought we were actually trying to make it smaller, not slow, not, not go slow, not go over the cliff more slowly. Right. Right. And so to me, that is, has been somewhat of a paradigm for me for how I've seen the Republican party. What is a rhino actually? What is it? Uh, to me, the Republicans in name only, I just call them Republicans because that's where we're, that's where we're going here. Bigger government, Going along with this transgender nonsense, uh, not not really put. Uh, can you think of one thing, Chris? Because I can't. In the last twenty-five years, that the Republicans some wicked horrible thing that they've actually stopped. I don't mean slowed down. I mean stopped and reverse. Mm-hmm. I can't think of a single thing. So I don't know what a rhino actually is. Mm-hmm. It's one of those terms that gets thrown around, and I I challenge anyone to actually uh, define for me a Republican in name only. What actually is that? Well, I actually have a problem with that term as well, because Republican in name only means, okay, this person over here, they claim to be Republican, but they don't actually practice Republican values, which presupposes that Republicanism is a good thing, right? That the standard of Republicanism is a good thing. And these these rhinos over here are claiming to be Republican, but they don't actually follow the, the values. And what I think we're saying is if you follow the Republican values... It's bad. Yeah. So, so who cares if you're, you know, I'd rather have someone be a Republican in name, mm-hmm. but actually governs according to Christ's law. So I'd rather you be a rhino, yeah. right? Republican in name only, but actually when you go and you actually govern and lead, you only follow God's word. So th- that, that just presupposes that, again, that makes the standard the Republican Party, I guess, in this case. Because, you know, because we use that term, well, this person's a Christian in name only. They don't actually live out their faith. And, and that makes sense because the Christian standard is the right one. Mm-hmm. So if someone claims to be a Christian and fails to live it out, that's a bad thing. But if someone claims to be a Republican and doesn't live it, live it out, well, great. Yeah. Because Republican, the Republican system is big government, government education, forced taxation, prison system, not following God's law, status, bureaucracy. Why would we want someone to be Republican in name and in practice? You know, I, I for years, when the Republicans had their convention, they would come out against the Department of Education. They did this for years as part of their platform. And that platform is so nice and tricky because, okay, this is our platform. Hey, everybody, we're against the Department of Education, right? They want to abolish it and get rid of it? And- yeah, that, that's what they said, Okay. right? 
but no one ever did anything. So it was a nice little um, kind of a bait and switch for everybody. You say, well, wait a minute, you guys are supporting supporting you know, government schools. Oh, but we have this written in our in our platform. So right. so so what about that? So which I w- I would want to know which one is the rhino because I would have to say that the one who uh, actually says uh, let's abolish the uh, they're both rhinos or, or, or something. They're both Republicans, right? The one who supports it, the ones who doesn't support, who, who supports the platform and then votes to keep funding it. Right. If you were really against the Department of Education, it's simple. You submit a bill and you vote against any bill that includes money at all for the Department of Education. But no, oh, we're against it. We're against it in word. We're for it in action. Right. And to me, and, and, and again, I'm really sensitive about this. I grew up re- Republican household, all that kind of stuff. Vote for Nixon. I go, go back that far. Um, you know, Nixon, of course, who lost against Kennedy. You know, speaking of, of conservatism and how the Democrats are the, uh, are the actual standard, John Kennedy would be appalled at what the Republicans stand for today. Right. Where are we going to be in another few years as we follow them over the cliff? Right. Have I mentioned over the cliff? Okay, that'll you be. Have, I think you have a few times. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think you have. But you're you're not wrong, uh, and that's that's where they're leading us, and that's where we are, and, and that's why, you know, people would say, well, l- let's get into it now, because people are going to say, okay, what what's your solution, All right? What 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 other option is there? And I think there are other options, and I care very much about this because of my children, right, and the children that they'll have, Lord willing, and and what future we're leaving for our children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren. There is a better way than continuing to vote for men and women who do not adhere to God's law word. That, that's our standard. So let's go right to there for now, and then we'll, come, we'll, we'll get some of these pragmatic issues and objections maybe. Who do we vote for, Joel? Who do we vote for? Okay, now, <clears throat> there's much more we could talk about in... Uh, and your son, Luke, actually has written a book uh, about the, you know, challenging the American system of, of government with its three branches. We don't have time to get into that. But when it comes to civil rulers, in, in whatever realm, you know, we're in, whatever nation we're in, who do we vote for? What's our standard for voting? Right? Because this is what it comes down to ultimately at, at that ballot box. You know, who am I going to vote for? Am I going to vote for this person or this person? And, and can I vote for either one of them? Right? So, so let's talk about that. I mean, Exodus, I don't know if you're there, Exodus 18. Yep. I think you are. Exodus 18, well, let, let's just start with that, Joel. You know, who, who do we vote for and where do you look to for that guidance? Yeah, okay. Well, before I get to that, just very quickly, I want to talk about voting for a second. Uh, as um, uh, in 2021, I mean, anybody with two eyes can see that the presidential election of 2020, there were really, really crazy, goofy things going on. I mean, all you have to do is watch. There was Trump with, uh, you know, lines of people in the rain waiting to get into one of his his appearances. And there was also Joe Biden out there when he did campaign. He had all the look of a guy who knew he had already had it won, didn't need to campaign at all. And when he did campaign, I mean, the, the, the guy couldn't fill up a phone booth if you spotted him a couple of crash test dummies. I mean, it, there was nobody there, right? So the next year in 2021, I went in to vote, right? And I said to the, I said to the, the people, the, you know, the officials there and so forth, and said, hey, you're coming to vote? I said, no, nah, I'm, I'm here to cast my ballot. I said, I cast my ballot back in uh, 2020, 
but I don't have a clue who I voted for. So I don't know what happened to my ballot. So I'm here to cast a ballot. Who knows what's going to happen to my actual vote? So I, I, I want to I point that out before we go a whole lot further. People say you, 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 gotta, you, you should vote a certain way. I, I'm qualifying that a little bit. I'm saying you should cast your ballot at least a certain way. But if there's wicked people that will kill babies, I don't think they'll be that concerned about messing with my vote, quite frankly. I, I don't think they're going to be like, oh, no, we can't do this. This is sacred. But in any case, um, casting your ballot who you're for, we do have precedent for choosing people who are going to be over you in a judicial societal way. And um, yes, yeah, so let's, let's talk about this is absolutely a favorite passage. This is uh, Moses, of course. He's got the huge responsibility of leading the children of Israel out of Egypt from slavery to freedom. But there's problems along the way, as there always will be. Uh, you know, the utopians want to call, come along and say, just, just let us do it our way, and there's not going to be any more problems, right? And, and, and Moses isn't that foolish, and neither is his father-in-law Jethro. No, there are going to be problems, and we do need a way to arbitrate disputes because they are going to happen. So much more realistic than your <laughs> this crazy nonsense. Like, oh no, if you leave it to us, everybody's just going to be so happy. Uh, French Revolution, uh, liberty, fraternity, equality, or death, right? Uh, you know, let us run it and there's going to be fraternity. We're all going to be, no, there's going to be disputes. And the scriptures recognize reality here. And so Jethro says to Moses, he says, listen to my voice. After Moses says, man, Jethro says to Moses, it's just too much. You know, the, 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 there's so many disputes. There's so many people. Moses said, or Jethro says, listen to my voice. I will give you counsel and God will be with you. Stand there, stand before God for the people so that you may bring the difficulties to God. Oh man, let's stop there for a minute. Jethro thinks that the word of God can be significant in resolving disputes. That's where we really ought to start as a society. Mm. I don't care if it's foreign policy, uh, um, disputes within the nation, whatever. Jethro is saying, let's let's take this to God. God has a word on this. All right. Oh, man, so much we could say of this. And you shall shall teach them the statutes and the laws and show them the way in which they must walk and work they must do. Um, Moreover, here's the key. You shall select from all the people able men. And here, here are the qualities here for these men. Fear God, men of truth, hating covetousness, and place over such over them to be rulers of thousands, rulers of hundreds, rulers of fifties, and rulers of ten, and let them judge the people at all times. So in other words, we're not setting up a, a massive police force here to snoop into everybody's private business. These men are judges for when a dispute comes to them. And they have to judge and they have to stand uh, in the place of God because they know the word of God. But what's their qualification? Um, law degree? Not at all. Let's see. Fear God. What about most electable? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, you know, we can talk, we can talk about Absalom. Uh, he, when it comes to electability, we can talk about Absalom, David's son, who almost ruined the kingdom. Very electable. And also Christ. Apparently very unelectable. Right. Very, uh, very uh, democratic. One of the most democratic things that happened in all of Scripture when it comes to voting was the crucifixion of Christ. Right. We, could, we, we definitely talk about that. Anyway, um, 
qualifications but, are yeah, they fear God. They, they, love, they fear God, they love truth, and they hate covetousness. Now, I want to talk about that hate covetousness thing for, for just a second. What is it the scriptures tell us again and again perverts judgment? It is a bribe. It perverts it. We are told that again and again. Now, we now have politicians all the time, Republicans, Democrats, they take positions. Well, this is my position. Well, position can be changed. I love that new word, pivot, right? <laughs> oh, he, he pivoted. Right. When you see that word, okay, he changed his position. But now it's nice. Isn't that nice? It's called pivot. Yeah, he pivoted for the election season. Yeah. Yeah, yeah he, he pivoted. Now he's pivoting back again. Uh, or like Nixon apparently said, when you're, when you're, uh, <laughs> I mean, we can talk so shamelessly this way, right? Nixon said apparently, hey, when you're running for the Republican nomination, run to the right. And when you're running for the general election, run to the left. No problem. Right. <laughs> Just get elected, right? right. That's yeah. all you got to do. That word, hate covetousness, I don't know if I can name too many politicians that hate it. They can take a position against it. That's my position. Mm-hmm. But do you hate it? You know, if we had politicians that hated it, they'd be going to root it out wherever they saw it. But they don't hate covetousness. I, I, I love this idea that uh, maybe a particular lobby controls Congress, let's say. Mm-hmm. Whatever lobby you want to name. You know, a, a favorite target is the gun, the gun lobby, right? The gun lobby controls Congress. How do they do it? Uh, they, they do it with gifts and so forth. And so we blame the lobby. Do we ever blame the people who are receiving the gifts? Right. You ever blame them? Oh, they just couldn't help it. The dude came with a, you know, an, another trip to Barbados, and I, I just had to take it. Right? Moses here, or Jethro here is talking about Moses. You hate covetousness. You throw that guy out of your office and tell him never to come back with any of that nonsense. You're here because you fear God, you love your neighbor, you hate covetousness, and that's the way you're going to represent here. Anything less than that, I, 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 and I'd love to be, not love, but... I mean, I'll listen to other arguments for people that I should support, Chris. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'll listen to others. You know, it's a big book here, the Bible, 66 books. Mm-hmm. But I think I have a standard right here mm-hmm. and a really clear standard. It's not, it's not hard to figure out. I don't have to be you know, a Hebrew scholar here. Mm-hmm. Men of tr- fear God, men of truth, hating covetousness. Mm-hmm. That's a standard. Yeah. Indeed it is. And so the question then becomes, should we vote for men who are not going to apply God's law, who do not meet that standard, who are not qualified. And so, again, I'm not, this episode is not about making friends, but if you look at Doug Mastriano, is he going to apply God's law to the civil realm? Is he going to seek to abolish the government education, to abolish taxation? Uh, no, I don't think he is. I think he, he, he's running on the platform of, uh, we're, we're going we're gonna to stop the onslaught of the Democrats, right? And we're going to try to just go back to how it was maybe 10 years ago. Right. And, and so that is a man who, again, when you just look at the policies and, and the principles, should we vote for people who are not going to seek to apply God's law word to society? I do not think we should. Right. Yeah. And, and based on what you're saying, you would agree. Well, here's the thing. If, if I were to be convinced, if I could be convinced that any politician, Doug Master or whomever, um, would would be a person to say, you know what? Here's how I'm going to govern, or here's how, here's how I'm going to re- represent these people. Mm-hmm. I am going to fear God. I am going to root out covenants because I, I hate it. I, in fact, I've hated it before I got into office. Mm-hmm. I don't take a position against it. I hate it. I, 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 I hate covetousness. And 
if I could be convinced that Doug Mastriano or any other politician of any party, libertarian even, whatever, Republican, whatever, then I could be conv convinced to consider voting for that person. I could. I haven't heard that yet from Doug. I've heard a lot of good things from Doug Mastriano. But are we once again? See, this is, I, I cannot, I can no longer, I can no longer, and I did it for, for years. You know, and, and honestly, Chris, before I discovered the, the law of God, I was one of those, well, you know, the Republicans aren't as bad as the Democrats mm -hmm. type thing, which, again, when you say aren't as bad, what are you actually saying? You're saying bad, not as bad, but still bad. Mm -hmm. I need to be convinced for a person that I will support that they're men of God or men from among you that fear God, that hate covetousness. I need to be convinced of that. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, the standard is the Democrats, mm -hmm. and give it four years or eight years or whatever, and we will be farther along down the, uh, down the rabbit hole, or down even worse holes yeah. than that, than we are now. Haven't we, Chris, haven't we been doing this mm -hmm. for, for, for years? Right. Haven't we been? I... I, I um, I've looked back through through this, and I've seen some of the. I think I mentioned before, Chris. I was involved somewhat in the Christian Coalition, never really the moral majority, but the Christian Coalition, Pat Robertson, and so forth. And back then, we were fighting battle. We were fighting certain battles back then, Chris. Every one of those battles being fought back then have been lost. Right. Every one, every single one. And we were going to fight those battles by voting Republican right. and voting for the one who's not as bad. Right. We've lost them all, Chris. Right. We've not won one, and we've the, each battle is each battle we now fight is still a retreating action right. as we lose more and more space. Right. I need to be convinced that whoever I vote for is a man of God who hates covetousness, hates it. Right. Yeah, and the, and the Republican Party certainly leans into the evangelical vote. And, oh, and yeah. they'll, they'll claim to be, you know, they'll put a Bible verse maybe on a campaign sign or something. Sure. But will they apply the word of God? And yep. will they hate covetousness and fear God? And if, if you fear God, you're going you're to speak his word before kings, right? You're yep. not going to, 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 you know, beat around the bush and say, well, you know, I'm going to be political here. You're going to stand on God's word, mm -hmm. come what may. Mm -hmm. And that I have not seen, right? So real quick, let's go through oh, some of I these. Wish I wish we could see it. Yeah, and I think that, in God's grace, we can, and I think one of the ways would be if people repented of compromise. But some people are going to say, well, you, you want a perfect candidate. I want to briefly talk about that. No, we want a qualified candidate, right? I mean, that, that is just a, a, a red herring. Well, you want a perfect candidate, there'll never be a perfect candidate. No, we want a qualified candidate, right? It doesn't say the person has to be perfect. It says they fear God, they hate covetousness, right? They're going to govern according to God's word. Yep. Just like when we have pastoral candidates, right? We, we don't say we need a perfect pastor. We need right. someone who's qualified, right? right? And, if, and if I'm voting for, for two pastors and neither are qualified, well, then I shouldn't vote, right? And, and that's, that's, that's my position on the election. Some people say, well, when I go to the polls, I mean, it's so hard. I know the GOP is, is, is a huge government and about spending, but it's just so hard. For me, it's easy. Right? I'm going to vote on principle. And there, one of my favorite quotes from John Quincy Adams is, always vote for principle, though you may vote alone and you may cherish the sweetest reflection that your vote is never lost. Right? Your vote is never lost. It's not a wasted vote. And hopefully we can, talk, we can talk about that as well. But the idea of you want a perfect candidate, no, we want a qualified candidate. And if there are no qualified candidates, 
then I'm not going to vote. Um, and now some people really don't like that because they say, well, now you are, you are part of the problem because you are letting the Democrats win. Mm-hmm. Well, how about the Republican Party put forward someone who is qualified biblically? Then I would vote for them. Uh, so why am, why am I the problem? Because I'm, I'm adhering to God's standard. Right. Why isn't the Republican Party the problem right. for not adhering to God's standard? Right. Yeah, and I, I would, what I would say uh, initially about that in the practical sense of voting and so forth, I will vote oftentimes for a third party or oftentimes for a uh, person who's not even running mm-hmm. that I believe fears God, he's a man of truth, and he hates covetousness. And he's probably the only vote that he gets, but I, 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 I'm just using my tiny little voice there to uh, register my dissatisfaction and actually cast a ballot at least because there are actual men of God, men of truth that hate covetousness. They're not running, mm-hmm. but, I vote, but I cast my ballot for them in any case. But I want to talk about, um, I, I want to talk about this idea of the perfect candidate. Uh, that red herring is is the right word for that. Uh, let's let's go talk about that. Well, you don't have that standard for anything else. Did did, did you have that standard for when you married? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm looking for a perfect wife, mm-hmm. right? Um, glad my wife didn't have that standard when she was looking for a husband. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't have that for anything else. You know, someone's running for a school board. Um, it's got to be perfect. That is, come on. I love what you said. We're looking for a qualified candidate. That's what you're looking for when you look for a wife, right? They weren't all qualified, Mm -hmm. but um, the one you married was qualified. And the the thing is, is that when someone says, well, you're looking for a perfect candidate, just because you want to bring the word of God to bear, they're telling us more about themselves than they are about the word of God. Yeah, and maybe actually a better term for it would be a straw man, because it's not my position that we should have a perfect candidate. And you mentioned marriage. Biblically, if you're a Christian who's following God's word, there are qualifications for a spouse. The yes. spouse needs to love the Lord, yes. right? And so if someone, if that person doesn't, they're not qualified, right? So there's the standard. And this is where we, it breaks down because people say, okay, yes, if I'm a Christian, I should marry a believer. If I'm voting for a pastor, they have to be qualified, you know, Titus 1, 1 Timothy 3. But when it comes to the civil ruler, there's no qualifications. Well, I'm afraid you just read some qualifications from Exodus chapter 18. So there are qualifications. That's the other thing. And, and actually, I address a lot of this in a book I wrote um, called Vote Christian. In fact, um, Vote Christian, Biblical Principles for Voting. And just to see if anybody's interested in this, if anybody's listening, uh, you know, the first three people that email me, I'll send you a free copy of this book. So this is Vote Christian. So much more that, that we're going to be able to talk about, I do address in this book. Are we looking for a perfect candidate? You know, is it wasting your vote? So email me at info at the Um The first three people, I'll send you a free copy of the book. But this idea that... Um, you know, the perfect candidate, is, that's not our position. It's a qualified candidate. Okay, so, okay, let, let's address, though, people are going to say, okay, that's nice. That's nice, Joel and Chris, that, you know, you guys want to vote on principle, which, by the way, I will say, that's actually not throwing away your vote. Because when you vote on principle, you're retaining the honor and dignity of your vote. And some countries where it's required for you to vote, I think it's very unbiblical. Yeah. Because if you, unless you could, I guess, put in a third, but if you have to vote for two people and neither are qualified, um, that, that's putting someone in, in, a, in a position where you're, you're requiring them to go against God's word. So it's not a waste of your vote to not vote for the Republican or Democrats because it's your vote. And this is one thing I've said that, you know, the Democrats think they're entitled to our money, right? And fl- frankly, Republicans are too with, with their view of taxation. But I say the Democrats think they're entitled to our money. The Republicans think they're entitled to our vote. Oh, you're taking a vote away from Trump. 
or you're taking a vote away from Mastriano. This was not his vote, right? It was my vote. So I'm not taking it away from anyone. Why not say I'm taking it away from the Democrat? Um, it's, it's a very skewed standard. So let, let's address this, though, because people are going to say, okay, yeah, you guys laid out this position biblically, but it's not going to make any difference if you choose not to vote for the Republican candidate because they're not going to follow God's word. It's not going to make any difference. Uh, it, things are, the Democrats are going to win, and th they're going to take us down this road faster. And at the very least, Joel, if we vote Republican, we can slow that down. Maybe we can slow it down a little bit. And I want to address that today because I do not think that's a godly solution to the problem. And I do not think it's a pragmatic one either. I don't think it actually works. Right. Because a lot of people say, well, we've got to be pragmatic here. And biblically, you're, our, our duty is to be faithful to God and ultimately leave the results to him. But as we've mentioned, when we go against God's word, the results are usually pretty bad. So let's talk about, okay, how does this make a difference, Joel? You know, what if someone's actually listening and they say, you know what, you're right. The Bible does speak to this, and the Republican Party has long ago, and they probably never, adhered to God's word and Christ's lordship. What do we do? What do we do? Do we just, you know, do we give up? Do we not vote? Uh, and, and, and is there any way that this could change? So I have several things that, that I want to speak on that. But before I do, anything you want, you want to say on that? Sure. Um, you know, there's a quote from George Washington. You know, if, if he's basically saying this. I'm, I'm butchering the quote. He said, but if we support that we don't, if, if we outwardly support that which we don't really agree to, mm -hmm. he said, how can we afterwards defend what we've done? Mm -hmm. He said, let us raise a standard to which the wise and honest can repair. The rest, he says, is in the hands of God. Okay. And I love what he's saying there because he's saying, what is your job? And in a sense, what is, what is God's job? Right. And this is what we must always remember when it comes to civil, civil affairs. Are we to vote for the lesser two evils or, and, and so forth? Is that what we're supposed to do? Or do we have a responsibility to fear God and do the right thing, even if we're alone on this? Right. We know what the answer is on this point. Right. And, and, and we have the examples of the prophets, some kings there in the Old Testament, certainly John the Baptist in, in, in the New Testament who went up against, uh, against Herod. And by the way, if, 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 uh, if I can just tell a brief quick story here, um, this past, uh, past Sunday I had to speak at, at, at the Friedensburg Bible Institute. And my topic was um, the importance of theology when it comes to politics and law. And what I was thinking was, when I went up there, Chris, was that a lot of people still think that the Bible does not speak mm -hmm. to politics and law and society. Or it does. It spoke to those people. I'm quoting Exodus. Yeah, that's those people back then, right? right. So what I did was I asked um, Matt Kenneser, who sponsors it, Pastor Matt Kenneser, if he would do a little role play for me. And I went to, uh, let me find it here real quickly, uh, Luke chapter 3. And uh, Luke chapter 3 talks about what uh, happened with uh, John the Baptist. Let me just look this up here real quickly. And I asked, um, I, I asked Matt if he would role play and if he would pretend to be John the Baptist. And John the Baptist for, for our role play is going to be a two kingdom guy. You know, God only speaks to uh, my heart. Mm -hmm. uh, the Canaanites, the pagans, the Romans, the Greeks, uh, they speak to, they run everything else, right? And so Luke says this. Uh, talking about Herod, um, he, he says this. He says, But Herod the Tetrarch, being rebuked by him concerning Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, and for all the others' evils which Herod had done, added this above all that he shut up John in prison. So 
um, John had rebuked Herod for taking his brother's wife. And it says for all the other things that Herod did. So John, this, this man who, and of course I challenged my congregation, I said, you know what, um, anybody want to uh, rebuke John for the way he handled this? You, you certainly may. Just understand that he was endorsed by a pretty qualified voice, Jesus Christ, that he was the greatest man born of women right. up to that time. Up to that time, he was the greatest. So careful how you, uh, you, you know, admonish John the Baptist here. But anyway, um, I asked, I, I said to the, the folks, I said, how are we going to make John like a, a, a two-kingdom guy? Let's, let's role play. And so Matt was a, he pretended to be a two-kingdom John the Baptist, right? And he comes to me, I'm, I'm playing Herod, right? And he says, hey, you know, you can't have your brother's wife. And of course, I playing Herod said, wait, wait a minute. Um, you're, you're representing Christ, right? And, and, and uh, he's not king here, right? This is the political sphere. I'm in charge here. Who are you to tell me? Look, I really respect, uh, this was fun, I really respect your position. I respect the position of the historic uh, Jewish people. Um, I, I, I think they're wonderful people. But let's be honest, you, you can't tell me because you have no authority here. And I, of course, threw him out of my office saying, <laughs> it's kind of funny because Matt and I were talking later, Chris, and he said, I, I literally, he said, I was, I was trying to do my best to actually interact with you. He said, but as a two kingdom person, I, I, I had nothing to say to you playing Herod. Mm -hmm. But he did. Right. He was fully qualified to tell Herod that he couldn't have his brother. And apparently uh, Herod was doing other stuff and John was a problem for him every time. Mm -hmm. John did believe that he, that, that, that he ultimately had to answer to Christ. But Chris, I would say that when we support those who do not adhere to Christ, are we kind of confirming the idea that they really don't have to answer to Christ? Are we kind of doing that? Or maybe outright doing that? Yeah, and I would say not only only that, Joel, but we are saying Christ's plan for the nations is really not that important, right? That it's better to go against his plan. Our plan is important. Not yeah, not. it's better to go against Christ's plan and let the government do things that have never been authorized in Scripture. Education, you know, throw people in prison. that has authorized them to deal with crime. We talked about that last episode. But to say, okay, it's, you know, Christ's plan for the nations, okay, maybe that's great. Not really that important. It's more important that we um, are a little better than the Democrats. And what, what I'm saying is I would rather us be faithful to God and only support, endorse, vote for men who will follow Christ's plan if that means that we end up with uh, uh, wicked rulers, or I'd say more wicked rulers, I guess, um, so be it. Right? And that, people don't like that. They say, well, no, we, we should do whatever we can to, to slow this down as much as possible. And so I want, so let, let's talk about that. Chris, I want to, if I can just yeah. get something here. Um, you, asked, you asked the question, what difference does it make? That could be asked the other way, too. I, I would ask this question. Uh, for all the um, voting for Republicans that we've seen here, what, mm -hmm. what difference has that made? Mm -hmm. How much worse, would we, worse off would we be? Uh, maybe, worse, maybe a little bit further down the road, but at, at this point, we're just talking a little bit further down the cliff mm -hmm. at, at this point. When we're asking about what difference does it make, we can only at this point go back to fearing God and acting on principle. Right. 
Right. And I, okay, so let, let's talk about it here. Okay, I think there is, number one, we follow God's word regardless of the outcome. I talk about that at length in my book, Vote Christian. Again, check it out. Uh, we talk about, I talk about these, these issues because people say, well, um, you know, we have to do this so this end will be achieved. Um, that's pragmatism, mm-hmm. not, not biblical uh, ethics and morality. So, but Joel, if we actually, you, you brought up the point, if we don't vote for the GOP, well, the Democrats will win. Well, the Democrats have won plenty of times before, and the Republicans have won. And the Democrats have won, it, you know, people, even though people say, oh, well, we've got to beat them now because this is the most important election of our lifetime, right? Isn't like every election is the no, most It's always the most important. It's always yeah, the most lifetime. important. Yep. And if the Democrats win, it's over. Mm-hmm. Well, the Democrats have won some of those elections. So isn't it over now? So can't we now try something different, <laughs> right? Yeah. Can't we now try something other than the Republican Party? But no, it's always going to be, okay, well, actually, the next time is the most important. And if the Republicans don't win that time, then it's over. Okay, I think here it's actually more pragmatic because I think God's word is very practical. Um, that you know that that it may be that you know if the, de- the Republican Party collapsing and crumbling um, could be what God uses to wake up America, where we repent and turn to Christ. Now it may not, but again, that's not for me to be a political prognosticator and say, well, I'm going to vote for Biden then. And, no, I'm going to vote on principle, right? But if if all Christians voted on principle and did not support the Republican Party, things would change. Things would, would definitely the, the change. I just want to give one scenario here about that, right? And then I want to get into some other practical stuff as we, as we try to wrap this up shortly. But if, uh, could it change anything, right, if, if true Christians did not support the Republican Party? I think it would. Let me just give one example, okay? And again, uh, the reason that we should do this is faithfulness to God and leave the results to Him. But if you want a scenario, I'll give you one. So... One Pew study said in 2020, 64% of Americans consider themselves Christians, okay? Now, of course, that doesn't mean they're true Christians, right? It doesn't mean they're born again, that they love Christ, they hate sin, and they're walking in His Word. But that still gives us a number of people who claim to be Christian. And I'd say in Lancaster County, that's probably even higher. So let's just say 75% uh, say that they're Christian. Now, of course, again, that's just a nominal thing, but about half the population generally votes in a big election. So in Lancaster County there was about 275,000 voters when it was uh, the last ele- presidential election, Trump versus Biden. All right? Instead of 75% Christian, let's just say just 20% of the county is actually Christian, uh, which, again, that, that might be too high, but let's say 20% genuinely Christian, um, and they want to honor Christ in all they do. That's 55,000 people out of that voting block, you know, those voters of 275,000. 55,000 people. That would make a huge difference. If you had 55,000 people saying, I'm not going to support the Republican Party because they're not following Christ's plan for the nations, the Republican Party is done in the county. They're done. I mean, that's more than the margin that Trump beat Biden by in the county. It was under 55,000. So if just 20% of, of voters who claim to be Christian were more upset about Christ's name and his plan being disregarded uh, by de- Republicans and Democrats alike, uh, the party would be forced to react. So there, there are practical ways that this could actually change things if Christians said, you know what, I'm not compromising anymore. I'm not going to vote for men, no matter how much they, they pull on my heartstrings and my emotions and try to say, hey, well, if you don't vote for, for this guy, Shapiro's going to be in office and that's going to be it for our state. My concern is if we vote for anyone who's not following Christ's plan, that brings judgment on our state. So, so the change could happen, but again, it's people say, well, I'm only one person. I can't make that change. Well, again, if, if just 
of the voters, and even 10%, I mean, even 25,000 voters would be a huge difference. So there are ways practically this could happen. Sure, yeah. Um, I go back to uh, whoever it was that said if uh, God wanted us to vote, he'd give us candidates, um, which, which isn't exactly um, what we're saying here for sure. We're simply saying we want to we wanna support qualified people and oppose unqualified people. If you're going to do one, you're going to do the other. Qualified men, unqualified men. There, we want to make a distinction. Right now, with the, with the Democrats as your standard, you really can't make a distinction between qualified and unqualified. Think, think about it. Right. Your qualifications are not as bad as those people. Okay. Well, I, and I think a real fundamental problem here, Joel, is that, unfortunately, most of the Republican voters, even many that would claim to be Christian, frankly, do not want Christ's plan for the nations. They, they, they either don't want it, or they've never been taught it. Yeah. And, and they just assume that the Republican standard is the gold standard. Yeah. And, and, and until that changes, yeah, you know, the, the people's hearts have to be changed. Mm-hmm. Um, and I understand this might be, be a long road, but there are some practical things that we can do now. And I think, you know, one of them is to stop compromising, yeah. stand on the principled and perfect word of God as it relates to civil government, mm-hmm. be more concerned with obedience to God mm-hmm. uh, than man-made attempts to achieve a quote-unquote good end. Because if we continue to vote for men who will not publicly honor Christ, Right, not just they say I'm a Christian, but they won't. They won't speak His law before kings, like I mentioned, Psalm one nineteen forty six. Then we're only, you know, we're only going to, to be moving continually in the wrong direction and inviting more judgment on our nation. So that's the first step. People say, what do we do? Well, start with you and be faithful in, in what you're going to do. Um, you know, and the other thing is that we should be teaching the we should be teaching the Word of God as it relates to civil government. And, and get in churches that will apply the Bible to society, right? If, if you're not in a church where, where the Bible is applied to society, I mean, I would say find one where it is because the Bible applies to all of life, right? How can we practically change? Do that. Teach our children. Train our children to understand biblical law and what the Bible says about civil government. Because this is another thing people say, well, okay, we need to vote for Reagan here. You know, 10 years later, 15, 20, we need to vote for Trump so that then we can get in a position where we can actually have a true constitutional conservative. I heard that. Okay, well, and people would say, okay, even if they agree, okay, well, let's vote for these guys now because down the road it will get us to a point where we can then vote for someone who will follow God's law. That's not how it works. You continue to vote for these compromisers, you make it that much harder to then say, you know, we have to dis- uh, you know, dismantle the whole system. So, teach, you know, be in churches where the word of God is taught, apply it to the government, train our children to understand what biblical law looks like, Right, if the next generation at least would wake up and say, I'm not going to continue to support this huge government Republican Party, unbiblical, uh, we could have a change. You know, and I can pretty much guarantee, though I'm not a prophet, I, you know, that the GOP will keep taking our state to a more status place for my children's generation. The GOP wins every election as it stands now in Pennsylvania for the next 10 years. We're going to be more status than we are now. More taxation, right? more government funding for education. That's not what I want. And that's not going to bring blessings. So, you know, I wonder if anyone that, you know, you know, who, who's a big supporter of the Republicans, you know, who really has a problem with what we're saying here today, because saying you guys are going to be part of the problem here, because the problem is the Democrats are going to win mm-hmm. and you guys are going to be part of the problem. But I wonder if any one of them, this would be my challenge for anyone listening. 
I, my challenge to them would be to challenge your statement that even if you get a Republican set in, in Pennsylvania, Republican governor, Republican Senate, Republican uh, representatives, if, if you will, majority, do you disagree with Chris's point that 10 years, let's, let's, let's give them 10 years, right? Do you de- disagree with Chris's point that the state will be bigger, that the babies will just be still, still in, in, in just as much jeopardy as they are now? Because we've had Republican uh, houses before and governors, and the babies are still, are, are still dying. And I know there, there, there's some positioning going on. I don't see any, when it comes to the ba- babies, Chris, I don't see any, any passion here at all. I see positioning. You know, like, oh, we have this thing. We're going to make it harder for, the, you know, for a boy, this kind of stuff. I don't, where's the passion? I, I, don't, I don't see it. So does anybody want to argue, even the, the most staunch Christian Republican defender that would argue with the point that 10 years... Give them 10 years. Are we going to be bigger government, more powerful public education, more godless? More prisons. More, yeah, yeah, more criminals. Only this time it will be you and me in there. <laughs> Can anybody really seriously argue with that point? And I would listen to that argument, but you're going to have to make that argument from the past, right? We don't know the future. Mm-hmm. So how have things worked out in the past? That's what I'm arguing from. I'm arguing from how Republicans have, have been in the past. Mm-hmm. Now, if you want to argue with me or you on that, you, you'd have to argue, well, this is how we think they're going to be. Mm-hmm. Well, good. I got what they actually are and what they have been. Right. Yeah. So much more we, we could say. I mean, maybe touch on a few couple of points here as we wrap up. I mean, some people are going to say, this is one I've heard before and recently that, you know, that if, if Christians don't vote for the lesser of two evils, then they're guilty. Um, right. The blood is on their hands for what the Democrats do. And I, I just want to say, and I do address that in, in my book, that that is, that, that is, that is wrong. I mean, that, that is to, to blame. You're never going to see that in Scripture, that you're, you're blamed for not choosing an unqualified pers- person for the actions of the wicked ruler that comes into power. The, the people that are responsible for the wicked actions are those who do them, right? And, you know, if we want to maybe say people who voted for them, but to say that people who won't vote for an unqualified Republican because they're big government, they're going against God's word, are responsible for the actions of a Democrat leader is really unfounded. And that's a tactic people use to try to, you know, emotionally get people to vote. Because if you don't, and I heard that plenty of times with, you know, with Trump, if you don't vote for Trump, you're guilty of the blood that's going to be spilled by, by Biden's abortion policies. And, and that's a very sloppy and careless argument to make. And I don't think we should be making that. Nobody should be making that argument. We, it has to be principle. If we vote based on scripture, right? And there's a, there's a great quote. Uh, I forget who it's by here. I don't know. It might be A.W. Pink. Um, that God works at both ends of the line. And if, if, if God's people repent of pragmatic and man-made and humanistic methods and cry out to God for, for mercy and forgiveness and for true blessing on our land, not Republican blessing, but actually governance according to God's law, God can move on the other end of that line, right? God can give us candidates who actually want to govern according to God's law. Our job is to be faithful uh, and leave the results to Him. And, you know, some people say, well, you know, you shouldn't, at least with the Republicans, we can slow things down a bit. I just want to touch on this briefly because, to me, 
I don't want to just be thinking about my lifetime. I want to think about my children's and their children's lifetime. And it's kind of like King Hezekiah. He said, well, at least there's going to be peace in my days. And so it's easy for us yeah. to sit here and say, well, let's at least get the Mastriano in or, or the Trump in. And, and at least it's going to make things better now. Down the road, yeah, I mean, Democrats, we're going to continue to go down this road of statism and Marxism. And the, once the Democrats get in, they'll get us a little faster. And, and that's why I would argue that perhaps, you know, us going full bore statism, yeah. socialism could actually lead to more blessings in my children's lifetime. If it collapses now in my lifetime, I'd rather it collapse now in my lifetime than in my children's lifetime, right? I'd rather be part, be part of the solution, try to rebuild, than to just keep pushing it off, pushing it off, pushing it off. More debt, more government funding, more government education, more government prisons. Eventually, the chickens come home to roost, right? And we're experiencing that now. And if we keep voting for Republican candidates who don't follow God's law, we're just storing up more wrath in the societal sense that's going to, that we're going to have to pay the piper. And our, our children and grandchildren are going to have to do it. And I don't want that. I, I'd rather deal with it now um, and say, no more. No more voting for these Republicans. Um, let, let's, let, let's do some soul searching here. If we are truly going to say we're Christian and we want to be involved in society, which we certainly believe we should, I think that's a better solution and biblical than just kicking the can down the road and saying, well, hopefully it gets better in the next generation. Yeah, the, the, I, I want to talk about that practically. I want to talk about Ron Paul. Uh, I remember, and also, I could also talk about Pat Buchanan, uh, because a couple things happened uh, during, the, the, during our lifetimes here. And I'll focus on Ron Paul, who was running for the uh, GOP nomination, and uh, which Romney eventually got. Um, for uh, it would have been challenging um, uh, Obama's second term. We had to and, and we had to vote for Romney in the primaries because he was the one that could beat Obama, right? right? Which he did, yeah, right? Yeah, he beat Obama. Yeah, yeah I, I recall that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Beat, beat him handily, yeah. right? And 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 and, the, and I'm going to make a distinction here. Yeah, we're not saying all Republicans. There, there could be a, a Republican who is a man of God, loves truth. Hates covetousness. I don't think he'd last very long in the Republican yeah. Party. Well, this, this, that's what happened to Ron Paul. And I, I, I will tell you that I haven't forgiven the Republicans for this. I know I'm supposed to. And Chris, I know, we know we're, we're breaking people's hearts here. You know, you mean you guys of all people are not out there, you know, supporting these GOP camps. I, I can't forget what happened to Ron Paul when he was running in the primary and he actually won, I'm convinced of this, that he won Maine. Now, Republicans don't want to complain about what happened, happened in the, in the uh, election of 2020. You got a lot to complain about. But this isn't the first time that's happened. And this isn't, uh, and it's not like the Republicans haven't done the same thing because, Chris, they did that to Ron Paul. They did it to him. I remember because in Maine... Ron Paul was extremely popular among the Republicans in Maine. The GOP hierarchy could not have Ron Paul win Maine because it was too close to Massachusetts, where, um, where Mitt Romney was supposedly from. He was supposedly from a couple of different places. Anyway, um, and, and the genius Republicans, you know, are going to challenge Obamacare from the architect of Obamacare, Mitt Romney, who already instituted in, 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 in Massachusetts. But anyway, to get back to my story, I still I, I won't forget it. I I knew I knew that that uh, Ron Paul was going to win was going to win um, Maine. He had this bubbling support underneath. 
He didn't have um, perhaps as wide support as some people, but his support was deep. His supporters would do anything for him. All he had to do was win one state. And I think the tide would have been overwhelming for Ron Paul in, in the Republican Party. But now we have problems with some voting machines in two of our most populous counties. And for now, we have to declare it for now for, for Mitt Romney. I mean, we, we don't have to figure this out. Well, by the time they figured it out, uh, you, you know, Romney was rolling. The GOP, I will defend this, Chris. They would rather have lost against Obama with Romney than one with a principled man, Ron Paul, and who, who, who was and, and remains a man of principle. Mm-hmm. So, so let's, let's not kid ourselves about this party here. Let's not pretend that they're not duplicitous and that they haven't run the same scam mm-hmm. that, 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 that the Democrats ran in 2020. Right, and, and, and people will, will push back on that and say, okay, yeah, I grant that, but there are certain candidates now within the Republican Party who are, who are fighting the swamp. Right, and, and these are the ones we support. And I mean, I know the swamp looks awful thick to me. And and I think that would, I mean, our challenge would be, okay, show me the candidate who is going to be governing according to God's word, because that's our standard. That's all we need. Again, you, you know, what's is the standard now? The Mitt Romneys, and and, and the uh, you know these other Republican leaders, and so now we say, well, yeah, the whole Rhino thing. Well, our standard now, no, our standard is the Democrat Party. Our standard is these career politicians in the Republican Party, and we're better than them. Right again. Where is God's word in this? Yeah. Where is thus saith the Lord about civil matters? It's not there, and that's why I will not um, support any candidate who does not, who will not govern according to the law word of King Jesus. And that's not a perfect candidate. That's someone who will govern according to the law word of King Jesus, right? And uh, and if there, those people aren't there to vote for someone who won't do that, is to endorse a plan other than Christ's, and I cannot do that. And I, wouldn't, I cannot do that with a clean conscience, and I cannot do that for my children's generation and their children's generation. And uh, I have no, there's no uh, wrestling. If, if, I go, if I go to the polls and say, well, maybe I should vote for this Republican because they're, no, like, it's simple. I, I bring one of these. When I go to the polls, I bring this right here. <laughs> yeah, well, um, the, and if we start to stand on principle, then we get to have a discussion about, okay, let, let's come together as Christians who are committed to God's word, and let's put forward a man yep. who will actually stand on God's word, yep. right? And, and until we do that, it's not, I mean, do th- people think it's just going to happen? Like, well, just keep voting for the lesser of two evils, and then eventually, like spontaneous generation, it's, one of them will just evolve into a godly candidate. It doesn't work that way, right? Especially these people, only, the only thing they care about is their votes. So you've got to stop voting for them. Yeah, right, right. voting for them. They don't yeah. care what you say. Yeah, why, why don't we have anybody good? I've been voting for the lesser of two evils for 20 years, and we still don't have anybody good. How can that be? It's a mystery, right? <laughs> um, so, you know, I understand this is an emotional issue. People might, you know, they're, they're very caught up in this. And in one sense, I mean, <clears throat> I'm not torn about what to do at the polls because I know, you know, if there's not a biblical candidate, I'm not going to vote for someone who's not qualified. Now, I don't know what would be better for our, for our state right now, though. That's, that's where I guess you could say I'm torn, but I don't, need to, I don't need to figure that out. The secret things belong to God. What's revealed belongs to us and our children, Deuteronomy 29, 29. So what's revealed is that we vote for men who fear God. Um, and if they're not there, I'm not going to vote for someone who doesn't. What's secret is, you know, what is actually going to happen and what will actually be better in the long run. Will a superior governorship be better in the long run? Maybe, because maybe it would be used of God 
to bring about the judgment that we need for cleansing. I'm not going to wish that. But at the same time, you know, could a Mastriano, maybe, I don't know. But that's, that's the secret counsel of God. And when we start to say, well, I'm going to vote against God's revealed standard in order to try to bring about some end, and I address this as well, again, in my book, that when we do that, we have abandoned God's standard. If the standard is not the Word of God, Exodus 18, Deuteronomy chapter 1, if that's not the standard, then we can vote for anyone we want. And I could vote for Joe Biden and say, well, I think this is actually the most pragmatic thing because I think he might, you know, keel over and die, and then this might happen, and this might happen, or I could vote for Shapiro because this it all becomes pragmatic. Mm-hmm. And Spurgeon said we are not to we are to be we are to be guided by precepts, not providences. And he gives a straight example of Jonah, where Jonah said, "Well, it just so happens that I'm fleeing from the Lord, and there's a ship here in port. It must mean that God has sent the ship to take me away to Tarshish, so I don't have to go to uh, to preach the gospel in Nineveh." And Spurgeon says, no, we, we, we look to precepts, not providences. We can't say, well, it, it, God must have brought about this candidate, even though he's not qualified for this time, for this reason, so I've got to vote for him. No, you vote on the precepts of God's word, not on the providences, because God will do what he wants to do with that. But I just want to end with anything else you want to say, Joel, about this issue. Uh, I'm sure we haven't convinced everyone, and uh, maybe we've just you know, made people less interested in what we have to say here, but I think the reason we're doing this is because we actually believe that God's word speaks to the civil realm, that following God's word does bring blessing, and to compromise on that is not part of the solution. So we started by saying, is the Republican Party part of the solution or part of the problem? And I submit that it's part of the problem. And if we continue to support for men that are part of that system, right, and, and we are going to continue to kick the can down the road, larger humanistic state, less freedom, less righteousness, and the solution is to repent of that compromise and vote for men who fear God. So, salute part of the solution or part of the problem, Joel? Anything you want to say here wrapping up about this issue? Yeah. Um, uh, the, I, I would like to, I mean, I'd love to hear from anyone who would want to write to us about what I'm about to say. Okay. Be, because it's going to be like, some will be like, Joel, you're really twisting scripture here. Um, let, me just, let me just say it. Um, this idea of voting for the lesser of two evils um, is, a, is an old problem, really old. And I would, I would, I'm going to, I'm going to posit this, Chris. And you know, when, when you posit something like this, when I do, it's like, is anybody else saying this? I don't know if anybody else is saying what I'm about to say. So it's always a little scary, but here we go. This idea of voting for the lesser of two evils, voting, a lot of different ways you vote. Sometimes you, there's voice vote, right? Um, there was voting at the time of um, Christ, not by ballot, but by voice. Definitely. For example, Pilate sees that there's a tumult rising. You know, he's finding no fault at all in Christ at all. But there's a tumult. There's a bunch of voters out there voting with their voice. Crucify him, right? Mm-hmm. So he does the democratic thing at the time. I mean, let's not the principled thing. He does the pragmatic thing right. at the time. But I think everybody can agree with that, but here's where it gets a little worse as far as I'm concerned. The people that wanted Christ crucified, they voted, they forced Pilate into voting for the lesser of two evils. They said, if you let this man go, you're not Caesar's friend. Mm-hmm. And for them, the lesser of two evils was actually Caesar. Mm-hmm. Christ was worse than Caesar, so Pilate, you got, you, you got to vote to, you, you got to kill this man. 
so that you can be Caesar's friend. Mm-hmm. In other words, Pilate, you're going to get Caesar or this man, go for the lesser of two evils. And even for them, they got, they, and see, this was, Caesar was one that they said they hated, right? Mm-hmm. But they were willing to vote for Caesar right. when it came to something they saw was, was, was even worse. I hate saying it. And if someone wants to like write in and challenge me and they say, Joel, you really got this goofed up. I, I, I'm willing to listen to him. But there was votes going on there. And there was a challenge of the lesser of two evils right at that moment. And it got our Lord crucified. Yeah. And when we talk about the lesser of two evils as it comes to voting, where we say we have two unqualified candidates, I follow Spurgeon's maxim, of two evils, choose neither. (laughs) Of two evils, choose neither. You know, people are going to say, okay, well, this candidate's not evil. Are you saying this person's evil? Maybe a Doug Mastriano or something. What, What we're saying is, or what I'm saying at least is, is this person going to govern according to God's word? I mean, if I've said it once, I've said it a million times. Are they going to follow God's word for society or not? If they're not, then in that sense, in the societal sense, it will be an evil thing to have another man in office who is not going to govern according to God's word. Right? And, and these could be people that, you know, they could be Christian, I guess, but they're not, uh, they're, they're, they're maybe not informed as to what the Bible says. They haven't been taught. And they have this two-kingdom theology that, well, Christ applies in the church realm, but not in the civil realm. But, but that's what, I want people to understand that. You know, I, I know there are differences within the Republican Party. There are those that are saying, well, we're going to try to reform the party, and we're principled. But again, our, my contention is you are not principled on the Word of God. You're just using some arbitrary standard to say, well, I'm better than the Republican establishment because I'm going to do this. Okay, but what are you going to do with God's Word? And if you're not going to deal with that, then in that sense, then I'm not going to choose the lesser of two evils. So I just wanted to make that clear to people because some people might say, you're painting with a broad brush calling all these pe- people evil. I'm just saying that principally, when you have two candidates and neither are qualified, you choose you know, the lesser of the unqualified. Sure. And that's what we're saying here. Yeah. And um, we're saying that, that actually that approach does not help. It does not help. It leads to more and more problems. And so I get it. You know, the first time it happens, if, 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 you know, if just 1% of Christians say, well, I'm not voting, okay, well, wh- maybe that doesn't make a difference, quote-unquote. But if we can have a re- reformation of biblical thought, it would make a difference. Sure. The last word, Joel. Hey. Let's, let's not go against principle. Yeah. If, if we go against principle, then we have no principles, right? Can we at least if, try to go for go, yeah, go that principle for, yeah, like... Yeah. Like we've tried this for yeah decades since, since I've been alive, right? But if I'm, I, I, I don't like saying it, but Chris, if I go against my principles, then I am defined as unprincipled, right? right. Is there is there any other definition for me here? No, absolutely not. I wish it wasn't the case. And again, I need to be convinced that any candidate fears God, is a man of truth, and hates covetousness. That's what I need to be convinced of. Otherwise, how can I claim to be principled? How can I do it mm-hmm. and still support someone who is clearly not? Mm-hmm. Well, in that sense, I guess it's easier if, if, you, if you relegate the Bible to simply the spiritual realm and say the Bible doesn't yeah. speak to these issues. Well, now it's easy for me. I, yeah. I can just go in there and pick whoever you know, appeals yeah. to me emotionally, whoever yeah. I think can deal with the Democrats better. And I get that. I totally understand it. But I don't yeah. think it's biblical. 
and I don't think it's helping our state and nation. And I want something better. And I believe Christ's plan is better. And so that, that, that's my plea. Yeah. You know, I, I get it that people would, would say that um, this position that we've taken is part of the problem. You know, it's you guys that are so narrow mm-hmm. that are um, causing the problem. And yet, you know what? I didn't, I didn't used to be this narrow until I studied the Bible more. And I used to be, I, I used to just vote for the Republican. Who, 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 where, let's forget principle for here for a moment. Let's talk pragmatically. Where did that get me? Mm-hmm. Where has that gotten us? Mm-hmm. Even pragmatically, ask yourself that question. Right. So you said, you know, the, um, we're too narrow, right? Right. And, and why don't we just, well, my question is, Okay, why doesn't the other side ever? Yeah. yeah, why don't why don't they ever say, you know what, we're wrong. We'll, we'll try God's way. We'll try the way of Scripture. It's always well, you you Christians over here who actually believe the Bible, you're part of the problem, and you need to just come along with 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 the Republican establishment. And we're saying, well, why don't maybe you're part of the problem if you're not following God's word, and you need to come over to this side. Right. So, can, can we set up an experiment? We'll do it your way for what another ten years. Oh, even though we're doing it for fifty, you know. But if we, it, but will we have a country left in ten years? Right. You know, which by default your way is not working. Right. Well, I think we'll have to end it there, Joel. There's so much more that could be said. Um, for those listening, you know, if you have issues, send an email again. Info at the Um We want to hear from you. We want to talk about this. We're we're happy to to discuss this. Um, we certainly need more discussion on top talks like this. Are we going to have a, a different guest next next week, maybe? Well, the plan is tentatively to have uh, Josh Gerber in here, who is a libertarian candidate for, I believe, the 98th district for the PA House. Okay. Um, and the Lancaster Patriot was trying to set up a, a, a moderated debate with Josh Gerber, the Democrat Timmons, and uh, the Republican Jones, um, which Josh Gerber is the only one who agreed to do it. Uh, if we were the only moderators. I didn't hear back from, from Jones. But in, in, in lieu of that, instead of doing that, um, we have invited Josh Gerber to come in here uh, and kind of have an informal discuss, debate, discussion on the principles of libertarianism and uh, have a discussion with him. So that's the plan. So unless something falls through, look forward to that. And uh, I believe also that he will be doing a, de- a candidate forum with at least a Democrat uh, in another venue. Uh, that that they that the Democrat agreed to, but we're going to try to have Josh Gerber in here and have a discussion about libertarianism. So that should be interesting. Again, my name is Chris with the Lancaster Patriot. For more about us, go to the LancasterPatriot.com. Again, Joel Saint, who's the pastor of Independence Reformed Bible Church, which that's IRBC.Church, right? That's it. IRBC.Church for more information on that. Until next time, God bless. Search the scriptures and follow the law word of the King. Take care.